So welcome everyone. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, I'm your host as always. If you're just coming about or upon the uh, Spiritual Underground Podcast, is primarily 12-step recovery-based or recovery-based in general. Now, I like to give my definition of recovery. Recovery to me is finding something that was lost or stolen. And what had happened is I lost touch with myself and my very soul. Uh, alcoholism and addiction had uh, had robbed me of that along with some other things that happened to me as I was uh, growing up in this crazy world. So uh, in recovery, the 12 steps allowed me to get back in touch with my true self, my true, my true soul, my, my bare essence. So get that part out of the way. Uh, and then I'll go on to say that one of the tenets of 12-step recovery is continue to enlarge your spiritual life, continue to grow whatever that means to you. And so I invite guests on that can provide maybe a pathway, a little uh, cookie crumb trail to places where you might want to investigate and uh, and find something you're looking for. You know, that was the thing. I surely didn't know I was looking for 12-step recovery when I found it. I had no idea. Uh, sometimes you go sniffing down a trail, and that's the same thing that happened to me with yoga and a few other things in my life, is that I just took the lead uh, and, and, and was nudged. I felt an internal nudge to investigate in that direction and turned out to be life-changing things that happened. Uh, so that's what we're doing today. Real quick, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohen. It's a 12 steps written for anyone and everyone. Uh, it's not limited to alcoholics, addicts, overeaters, gamblers, cocaine addicts, or any of the other 100 or so 12-step fellowships. You do not have to have an affliction to qualify for this 12-step program. Uh, so we have meetings, uh, the, the one I'd uh, um, invite you to, there's a few of them, but there's a Thursday night meeting at 7.30 Eastern time, and, uh, and it's open to anybody who wants to come investigate and try the 12-step tools. The book is based on that methodology. Uh, you can contact me here, Dan, at spiritualunderground.org, and um, we can get you hooked up with that. Plus, on 12stepspiritualrecovery.com is the meeting schedule and things like that. Uh, thank you, Darren Frank, for allowing you me to use your music, which I wrap around this podcast. All right. And I was just talking to my guest a minute ago, and, uh, and I said, I'm not even going to attempt to try and say what she's brought here to. Uh, you know, I can talk on quite a few subjects. Uh, I have a... Uh, Pretty broad area of knowledge is, is if I do say so myself, but there's still a lot of things I don't know about. And what I don't know about today, I can tell you that. Uh, there was a time in my life I couldn't admit that I didn't know something. I don't know. was not part of my vocabulary. So uh, <laughs> I, I can I can relate to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and well, what, why don't you go ahead and say your name, introduce yourself, because I don't want it to come out wrong. Okay, my name is Sophia Renea Morales, and um, I guess in the spirit of the 12 step program, I am a recovering perfectionist and control freak. Yeah, yeah. Um, recovering from something. We're all recovering from something. Um, and I guess there, there really aren't better or worse uh, addictions. There, there's this tendency to go, well, it's probably better than fill in the blank, but it's honestly not. Yeah. And I look at addiction as anything that pulls you farther out of your experience with the world instead of further into your experience with the world. Like and um, power and control can definitely pull you away from life. 
Yeah. So I will own that as part of my particular path. Right. Um, I think that it, is the part of the point, you know, and when Bill Wilson wrote that 12 steps in 1935, he boiled it down to saying that we had a spiritual malady. You know, and, and what you've explained here is, is you know, could be, you know, part of the definition of what Bill calls a spiritual malady. We have something that's pulling us away, rather than yeah. pulling us into. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you look at my life before I went through my awakening process, you'd have seen a very put together woman who was always on time or early. She always delivered what she promised she was going to deliver, no matter what the cost was to her personally or to the people around her. Mm. Um, have very little compassion for anyone, let alone myself, um, but highly, quote unquote, successful. All, all the trappings of success, uh, the marriage and the cars and the houses and the income and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you looked at me, you just said, she's got no problems. There's no trouble in this woman's life. <laughs> Except that there was. Every morning when I woke up, I hated the idea of getting up and getting out of the bed. I did not look forward to anything that was on my list of things to accomplish for that day. And I was in this continual mode of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can I retire? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can I stop living my life this way? Um, and that's no way to live your life, hoping for some far off distant moment when you can be relaxed and pleased and satisfied with where you are in the world. That's no way to live. Learn to be okay right now. Yes, let's be okay and happy in this moment, as even as we work towards maybe a moment we think we might like better. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. the goals are good, but you know we. Yeah. Uh, it's in a parallel universe. You know, uh, as from an addict standpoint, you know my view was on when am I going to get the next bunch? You know, when am I going to get my next supply? When am I? You know. And, and that continual uh, striving for next, next, next. Yeah. And never being right here. You know, I could have just gotten a big supply of what I thought I wanted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're still, still looking for the next better, yeah, fill in the blank experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And I can sure relate to the, uh, because I, I when I talk of my story, I say, you know, I have was. I'm married to a beautiful wife. I had 2.3 children. I had a dog. I, had <laughs> I love how you had the three tenths of a kid. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I had all that. And if you would look at me, everything looked okay. And that was yeah. my excuse too, to be able to say that I was okay. I don't have a problem because people that have a problem don't have all this. Mm, yes. It's your evidence that everything's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I was raised with like this checklist. Okay, because my mother came from extreme poverty mm -hmm. to the point that there was one toothbrush for the entire family. This is wow. like the level of poverty she came out of. And so she did not want that for her children. And I, I knew from a very young age, and she had decided on this path, you, you're going to get a good education because she, I just graduated high school, I think is the highest level of, of, of education she had. She managed to get all the way through the degree. Um, but she, she was for sure that we would go to college. 
Um, she knew she couldn't pay for it. So you will go to college on scholarship, which means you will excel in the classroom. Okay. And so I had all of this stuff laid out in front of me and it's like, you know, having that foundation, then you're going to get a career. You're not going to work a dead end job. You're going to get a career. You're going to get a spouse. You're going to have an amazing family and an amazing life with lots of money in it. Mm, And, and at that point you will be happy. (laughs) That was how it was, how it was built up for me. Yeah. Um, And not, not to put what do I want to say? I don't want to sound like I'm I'm blaming my mother because this is a program that many of us are raised with. This is what society tells us is the path. It's it's part of the post-industrial revolution, uh, what do I want to say, American dream thing yeah. that we're sold right. very frequently. Um, and that so is a big hurdle for us too as we yeah. look at stuff and see you know uh it says we're looking when we do this inventory that we do we're looking for the causes and conditions it's not a blame mm-hmm. game but we are we need to look at what causing us to to repeat these patterns in our life because if we don't absolutely. identify those uh we're doomed to repeat them absolutely right and if you can surface what it is now you can work with it but while it's in your subconscious while you're trying to run that program without realizing that it's running you yeah uh yeah you're you're in a futile place where you don't have any kind of uh influence over where your life is going yeah i'm gonna step away from power and control because that's that's also not quite (laughs) quite the road either (laughs) yeah yeah it's surprising once and it's actually still a little bit like scary to me at some level of how subconsciously i was behaving because it makes Mm -hmm. me think now you know what am i still doing that i don't know about (laughs) you know absolutely and i'm at the moment beginning a hypnosis certification because that's one of the most effective ways to connect with and converse with your subconscious as well as to bring in new patterns yeah uh, that the conscious mind would reject or rebel against because the conscious mind is basically a record player same playing the same thing over and over and over the subconscious is the dj that decides what goes on yeah right very cool So what happened, what did, uh, you know, I'm going to guess that at some point there was uh, what we call bottom. Yes, I call it my reverse Job. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Because if you remember, if you're familiar at all with the story from the Bible of Job, um, there was this conversation between God and the devil about would he lose his faith if they took away all of his material goods and his family and his health and all of this stuff. Um, And so, yeah, this is not the God I know, but the God of the Bible said, yeah, let's do this shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the bottom line of that story was Job did not lose his faith. And in fact, continued to be, uh, what do I want to say? believing and revering even as everything fell away from him well um (laughs) what is far more common in human beings and i am like i in the in the dictionary if you look up human being my picture's right there yes she's very human um what's more common is when your soul decides to wake you up and my soul decided i was long overdue i had not taken the little hints i had not followed the little nudges this is not the first thing your soul will try to do to you um but if you are stubborn and stoic like i am i was raised by a german and a norwegian (laughs) 
<laughs> press on regardless, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times you won't take those hints because you think you've got it figured out in your mind. This is how I'm going to move forward. This is how it's going to resolve. And so if you're ignoring all of those hints, your soul will start to take away the toys that are most important to you. And my toys that were most important to me were the money and the houses and the travel and my big, amazing intellect because mm. I've always excelled. I did go to college and I did go through college and grad school with other people footing the bill, not mm. my parents, but here's, here's the fellowships and the scholarships. So when I say I had this amazing intellect, I'm, I have factual proof of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what happened was I slowly began to get sick. I got sick to the point that I was sick so often I could no longer hold down that mm. career job. In fact, I couldn't hold down any job. And one of the first things the soul will frequently choose is this inability to engage in work. So an injury or illness, it's the get out of jail free card in society. If you are ill, there are a lot of things that society will do to give you space and time yep. to go through that healing process. Yeah. Um, and so that's something to be grateful for and to recognize, especially if you've been in illness and are trying to come out of it, uh, is that there is that benefit of you've had all this time and space. And sometimes you get attached to having all that time and space uh -huh. and it makes it harder to release the illness or the disability. Mm. Uh, if you don't acknowledge that, you know, I'm really appreciating that <laughs> and I may be sacrificing some of it. So that's usually the first thing your soul will do. Okay. Uh, did not get my attention enough when the job went away. And so my husband's job went away also. Okay. His, his industry was shifting and he he did some analysis and decided he needed another degree at the same time that his employment went away. Okay. Oh, so right. now we're in this really difficult situation where there's zero income and he wants to go back to school. And then there would he, as much as he's looking for a job, he's not finding anything. And so we end up in the bankruptcy attorney's office and now you can't get student loans to go back to school right and so i'm being funneled down this uh, series of events where it seems like there are fewer and fewer and fewer choices and so we we took the bankruptcy um and the bankruptcy attorney highly recommended that we do a payer bankruptcy now this is where my soul starts working with me on trust mm. because in a payer bankruptcy you have to have income and we've got a big fat zero Okay, but I also had this feeling inside of myself that I'm starting to kind of respect the saying, yes, the advice that this man is giving you is accurate. And so I'm going to go down that road, even though it doesn't look like I ought to be able to. Mm -hmm. And so we got the process started for that. And I came home a week or so later after I'd shared all this with my husband. Um, and I guess one of the things I should share at this point is as a couple, we decided 
we were going to let the shit hang out. A lot of people get real secret about, oh, I'm having financial problems. Um, And we decided we were not going to try to keep it some deep, dark secret because that forces you to try to do inauthentic things to continue to engage in activities or, or whatever that you really can't afford to engage in. And so we decided we're not going to try and hide it, you know? And so if we have to drop out of, you know, the monthly go to the movies with the friends, well, there it is, you know, that we'll just tell them, you know, this is the deal. And, you know, if you want to get together, why don't you come over? Everybody will bring something and, and we'll just have a get together instead. (laughs) You know, and I think that took a lot of the stress out of it. Um, and so he had had an opportunity to go to a professional conference, a buddy of his needed help in a booth. I'll pay for your, your trip there. And he's like, fabulous because it'll give me a chance to network and you know work on the job thing and he actually came back from that conference with an offer of employment that was Mm. exactly the amount that the bankruptcy attorney told us was optimal oh yeah wow (laughs) like damn all right excellent yeah okay but i i'm still not completely engaging the way my soul wants me to engage i am kind of listening to the internal nudges a little more uh, but I still have in my stubborn Norwegian head that, you know, I'm going to find all the right doctors. I'm going to, you know, force this sucker back on the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting increasingly sick to the point that my brain is not working right anymore. Mm-hmm. I am not remembering words. I'm not remembering why I went into the room. I'm not remembering things that happened earlier in the day. I can frequently not tell you what I experienced early in the day because Mm. I don't have the words for it. And I was chatting with my mother about this, this thing that's intermittently happening to me. And she says, you have more problems than I have. And my mother is like in her seventies at this point. So that's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And you need to figure it out. And I've been trying to figure it out for a few years now. And I haven't been able to figure it out. I've I've found a few things. I've improved a few things. My cholesterol is better. I figured out that I have food sensitivities. And so that's that's better. But I'm still getting worse. Mm. And I don't know why. So as part of this um, job, we're in Arizona. The job is in Indiana. Oh, really? That's where I'm at. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. We loved Indiana. And so he needs to go back to Indiana. It's where we were before we went to Arizona. And we're in bankruptcy. We can't pay for two places. But I also can't leave Arizona until the bankruptcy has been completely filed. You've got this two-year period. You have to be in the state. And we're getting down to the point that we can actually file it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I'm stuck in Arizona. He needs to be in Indiana. And how the heck is this supposed to work? And then I got this, this knowing that I needed to just email everyone I knew in Indiana, which was a lot of people because my last job in Indiana was in outside sales. Mm. So if I had your email address, you got a little email that said something to the effect of, hi, <laughs> remember me? 
Well, here's the deal. Um, you know, the move to Arizona has not played out well. We're in bankruptcy. My husband's had this opportunity to become employed in Indiana, but needs a place that he can stay. We cannot afford to just rent our own place. But if you have a guest room and can make, you know, room in the refrigerator for him and ha a place for him to park and plug in his computer, you know, we'll pay you whatever you need for that. He's quiet, he's tidy, and and a pleasant person to be around. And he's allergic to cats, so we can't That's accept a cat ha yeah. household. That's the only detail. And so I sent that to, I think it was around 350 people. And I got a lot of emails back going, oh, so sorry to hear that. No, I'm afraid we don't have a guest room or our guest room is filled with this other relative or whatever. And then I got one from a former neighbor of mine. And she says, this might be the answer to both of our problems. I'm like, well, what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> because I called her, she didn't put it in the email. And her mother had passed away in a retirement community. And at this time, the market was upside down. So she couldn't sell it, but mm. she also couldn't rent it because of the restrictions on the over 55 community. Oh. And it's empty. And so she's got to come by and look at it periodically. And she's got a full life. I mean, really full. She's got five kids, two of which are on the autism spectrum. She's oh. got an a sister-in-law who's who's got mental challenges that has to have a lot of care and feeding she's got other aging parents and so she's like i just cannot deal with this empty piece of real estate while we wait for the market to change so if your husband will live in it keep an eye on it keep it up i'm not going to charge you anything because i can't and you guys just pay the utilities mm. fab right <laughs> Never, ever would have expected that. Yeah. Um, got far more than we asked for, and it was a huge blessing. Uh, and it was also the step that was needed ultimately for me to find the answer to what was going on with me health-wise. Uh, because at some point, we did manage to get the bankruptcy filed, and it allowed me then to be able to go and live with my husband again, which is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And it also allowed us to um to have me under his health insurance because the health insurance he got with this job only covered indiana oh really yeah i know so i had to go to indiana there's no two ways about it and i had come to the conclusion also that i needed a doctor that wasn't in a silo because almost every doctor out there is in a particular silo it's how yeah. the medical situation is is built and the doctors that are not in the silos are called functional medicine doctors and the thing about these guys is they know that the insurance company is not going to play well with them and so they just don't play with the insurance companies mm. and what i needed was a functional medicine guy who would play with insurance so i'm looking for a zebra yeah <laughs> but i found my zebra in indiana wow and so that worked out well, and I got an appointment with him and he ran some tests. And when you say ran some tests, this is not like the usual, oh, we'll go draw a couple tubes of blood and away you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These guys, they bring over a rack of tubes. <laughs> I'm like, why are you bringing everybody's tubes? Oh no, these are all for you. I'm gonna need a blood transfusion after this. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> but uh, he ran a bunch of tests and looked at heavy metals. We sequenced my DNA, looking for methylation defects, which can really affect um, your energy levels as well as your mental attitude. We we discovered an important thing out of that one in the form of a Mao A mutation because Mao A uh, is one of the genes and in fact one of the primary genes that's implicated in obsessive compulsive disorder mm. chronic depression schizophrenia autism spectrum and i think there's a few other things that go along with it but i remember those because those are all in my family on my mother's oh. side mm. okay and so it didn't surprise me when it came back that yes i have this mutation and eventually we did, you know, mom, dad, my sister and my nephew. And yeah, sure enough, mom, me, my sister and my nephew all have it. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news with this, right, you think DNA, well, that's a fixed thing and you're you're just stuck with what it is. But how it works in your system, and I have a background in science that actually studied this. So this is like in the center of my wheelhouse. I'm fixing to geek out here, but bear with me. Uh, how it works is you've got the DNA in your cells. This is like the plans that are on file with the city when you go to, to build something. Your architect goes in and says, this is what we're going to do. Here's our plans. Yeah. Okay. And then how you actually get the building built is you take copies of those plans, those blueprints, working copies, and you take them out into the field and then you start doing the work based on those blueprints. Okay. And so if there's a mess up between the plans on file and the blueprints, you're going to get what's on the blueprints. And so knowing that I have messed up plans on file in my DNA, mm -hmm. uh, what you can do or what I did was I found, um, there's a lady who studies this, who's absolutely incredible. And her name just went away from me. It'll probably come back in a little while. Um, she has a set of RNA drops that you can take. So this is like the working blueprints. And so every morning I put a few drops of this under my tongue, which gives my brain the instructions to be able to actually balance its brain chemistry, mm. which allows me to not be chronically depressed all the time yeah. without taking antidepressants. Uh -huh. And it's been an incredible thing in my life to have discovered that, but it was not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> But I like to share that because if you've been out there going, why can't I be happy like other people? There's probably a reason sitting in your DNA. I see. Yeah. And there is something you can do about it. <laughs> well, I, I see people all the time that, that are chronically depressed or have anxiety, have this kind of stuff where they're just, you know, they just can't be okay. You know, yeah. they don't know why, you know, and they, it's not their fault. Get, They'll get pills, you know, and it'll do something to them, but they won't like that. That feeling won't be any better than, you know, it's then, just different. Yeah, exactly. A lot, of 12, a lot of 12 step people will end up self-medicating as the same result of that, you know, trying to figure out some way to feel better. I'm trying to bring her name back to me. I'll, I'll remember keep it. You talking, can put it in the out. notes yeah. on this thing you because talking, it'll come out. Yeah, it'll, it'll come out eventually. But anyway, I feel good. Nutrigenomics is the name of her book. So that'll at least get you close. Feel good. Nutrigenomics. You can find it on Amazon. Um, 
So we discovered all this, but it wasn't my answer. I was still exhausted. It wasn't heavy metals. It wasn't any of that because we'd taken care of all of that. I'm still exhausted. I still can't remember shit. And the can't remember shit is getting worse Yeah. to the point that a simple 30-minute meal, I'm going to go in and grill some chicken and have some vegetables with it and, you know, whip it up, bring it out. Nothing complicated. It was taking me three hours Wow! because I couldn't remember why I came in the room and I had to dig around and, okay, now I know why I'm in the room. Let's open the refrigerator and figure out what we're doing for dinner, right? Yeah. Pull the stuff out, turn around to the sink to grab something, turn back. It's like, wait, why am I in here? Keep on losing tra- track, losing. Yeah, and I have to like go go back focus. three steps, and yeah, it's it was not functional. And so, the doctor finally said, "I th- I suspect you may have a chronic Lyme thing happening because I see this with chronic Lyme patients. This mm-hmm. is this guy actually was the man in." the region for Lyme disease. Other doctors would send their patients to him. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go check it out. And he did like three different kinds of tests for Lyme. There's only one officially approved one, but it has a significant drawback. And the drawback is for a test to be effective, it has to accurately identify that you have the thing. That's what we call specificity. And then it has to be sufficiently sensitive to the thing to know that you have it. And if you get both of those, then you can trust it. Yes, you have it. No, you don't have it. If you have both of those things at the appropriate level. The problem with the approved Lyme disease is, although it's very specific, if it says yes, it means yes. Okay. It's not going to be anything else, but it's not sensitive enough. Hmm. So it saying, no, you don't have it is not actually, no, you don't have it. It's just, you may not be showing enough of what we're looking for to Mm -hmm. see it. Yeah. And so no is kind of meaningless with this test. And unfortunately, most physicians don't understand that. So if you've had a Lyme disease test that said, you no, you don't have it, but you're still sick and there's still this mystery thing and they've tried the rheumatoid arthritis and the lupus and the fibromyalgia and all these other things that look a lot like Lyme, you might want to go find a Lyme specialist who will run a broader range of testing Mm. because odds are you probably do have it, but they just couldn't tell with the approved test that you had it. And that was the case with me. The approved test came back and said, no, she's fine. But the other two tests came back and said, oh yeah, she's got this shit. Oh, and wow. she's got the really inter- really entrenched kind oh, because the thing with Lyme disease is it lives in three different forms. It's a lot like a fleas. If you're familiar with flea bombing your house, the old style flea bombs, you had to flea bomb. And then a couple of weeks later, you had to flea bomb. And then a couple of weeks later, you had to flea bomb again because there are three different kinds of fleas out there. You've got the eggs and the larvae and the adults, and it only killed one of the kinds, which is why you had to keep coming back and back and back to get them all because you are waiting for them to grow up to a stage that you could kill them. (laughs) Now, fortunately, they've improved flea bombs, and so you don't have to go through that anymore. But Lyme is similar in that there's only one form you can kill with antibiotics. The other two forms are unaffected Hmm. using standard antibiotics, which is why if you know you've got it, 
if you recently gotten the tick bite, you've got the rings, you need to go get the antibiotics right now because that's the stage they can kill with the antibiotics. Mm. If you miss that window and it starts to build little cysts to hide in and take some of these other forms that aren't responsive to the antibiotics, now you've got a much bigger problem. Mm. And I had that kind. And doing uh, the medical, what do they call it? See, that word went away from me now too. <laughs> My brain is much better than it was, but it's not back to where it was. Uh, it's it's a kind of a diagnostic review, right? They go through your, your health history and they dig back and they look back as far as you can remember into how long these symptoms have been going on. And going through that with him, we figure I got it when I was nine years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'd had this for a long time. Mm. And the fact that my brain was not working right was also evidence that I'd had it for a very long time. Because one thing people don't know is Lyme is a relative of syphilis. And if you remember anything from health class, untreated syphilis will eat your brain. Yeah. And I Lyme will do the same thing. It's recently. just a lot slower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've heard that similar thing just recently. I don't remember when I... I taking a lot of audio uh, books and podcasts and things yeah. like that. So it rang a bell. So it was yeah. good there from that long ago, you know? Yeah. And so I was in a very, very bad place with this disease. This, If you were to, to look at it like they do with kidney disease, where it's stage one, two, three, four, and then you're gone. Yeah. Uh, I, I was in that four category. It's like, if you don't do something about this, you're out of here in fairly short order. Where were you at when you were nine? I had made it back to Indianapolis oh. when I got the diagnosis. Okay. Uh, but like where? Uh, oh, where did I? made it back to the nine years old that you think oh. you were bit? Okay. Yes. Um, I was raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which uh -huh. you know is, is a fairly outdoorsy community. Yeah. But my my grandparents all lived in the country and so whether we went to see my mom's parents or my father's parents i was out in the woods running wild and had 800 million tick bites yep, me and too. the reason that we decided as a kid yeah the reason we decided that it had been around nine years old was perfect attendance was a big thing for my mm -hmm. mother you will attend every day of school. The only way you don't attend a day of school is you you literally have a fever or spots or something and you're contagious. This yeah. is the only time she's not going to send you to school. And there were big incentives for getting through the year. I mean, I could I could have a ten dollar <laughs> gift at the end of the year if I made it all the way through. And I mean, back in the day, ten dollars, that was a big deal. Yeah. I was like, we'll spend 50 bucks. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I was very motivated to get perfect attendance. And I can remember getting through the end of second grade, which puts me at around that eight or nine year old mark yeah. and going, wow, it was really hard to get up and go to school all of those days that year. Um, and not like mentally hard, physically exhausted hard. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do it next year. Yeah, it's gonna keep on getting harder. It, yeah, and, and it did continue getting harder. And when I was in college, I developed this 
rhythm, I guess, of, and I think this is part of like the power and control thing that I was working with in the moment is like, I would muscle my way through the semester. And after finals, I would collapse, not just into exhaustion, but illness, I would literally get sick, and I would be sick all through the Christmas break. And then I would get back up and I would go into the next semester and do it again. And then I would be sick for the first couple of weeks of the summer break again. So you think those were like when the Lyme actually like got to you bad enough, you just couldn't go any further? That's actually- Well, yeah, it's, of, uh, it's a combination of the exhaustion and how it affects your immune system. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that Lyme does is it acts as kind of an immune suppressant. And so by the time I'd made it into my 30s, uh, and I, I'm in the workday world, you don't have these artificial breaks between yeah. efforts. Yeah. And so I would, I would be going, 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 and then my body would be like, okay, you're done. And it would unplug all of my energy. I would get mm -hmm. sick, 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 sick. And then as soon as reasonably possible, I've got to go back to work, right? And so I never got the same kind of recovery I got when I was in school. Right, yeah. And so these instances start getting closer and closer together and taking longer and longer to recover from to the point that, yeah, you know, you're wonderful, but you're not employable. Yeah. Yeah. So I took you all the way back from your diagno diagnosis all the way to age nine. Age nine uh, and back into the mess. And so I'm at this place where my, my brain is being attacked. And the doctor, as I mentioned, is a specialist in this. So he has a plan. And I'm like, awesome. And he's yeah. like, I got this 75% success ratio, which is tremendous with Lyme. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board with that. And he hands me this list of the stuff we're going to do. And it's this rotating antibiotics. And some of them have to be delivered by IV. And he strongly recommends these um, clearing IVs that he will do that help to like recharge your system and give you what you need because it's Lyme are very toxic. They, they leak toxins out of themselves all the time, but you start killing them and they explode. And so you go from feeling bad to feeling much, much worse as you're going through, especially the first part of the process. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, grip my teeth and go through this. And I'm also going to call the insurance company because this is a lot of stuff. I mean, it's this two-year plan and the IVs are $250 a pop. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to need help with this because I'm in a bankruptcy. Yeah. And so this kind of brings us to my rock bottom moment because I know what the problem is now and I have an answer, but it's a very expensive answer. Mm -hmm. And so I called the insurance company and I said, okay, here's, here's what I know. Here's the diagnosis. He's got this plan. I need to understand what part of this you guys are going to cover and what part you are not going to cover. <laughs> That way I know what I'm facing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the literal quote from the lady at the insurance company was, we don't believe in chronic Lyme. Mm. Isn't that convenient? Yes, that is real convenient. That's why I was going to ask us, going to guess on exactly what the insurance told you they were going to cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Close. Yeah. 60 days of oral antibiotics, full stop. Huh. And I'm like, really 
what about the doctor's appointments? And she says, oh, yeah, you need to know this, too. Your doctor is no longer in network, which means they're not even going to cover the appointments to go in and see him anymore. And that that put me in a bad place because I'm like ticking through my options. Okay, I'm unemployable. I can't make dinner in three hours. Nobody's going to hire me to even mop their floors because I'll forget what I'm doing. Um, My husband is working full time and going back to grad school full time Mm. and picking up for what I can't do around the house, which is quite a bit of stuff right now. He has literally zero extra cycles that he can put towards anything. Okay. I can't make money. He can't make money. The bankruptcy trustee has everything else. The insurance company is not paying. There's only one place left to turn. And I did not want to turn here because as I mentioned, raised by a German and a Norwegian mm-hmm. parents and the parents position on that has been very clear since I was 18, you 18, you out the door, you're covering your own shit. Don't talk to us about anything, but I figured this might be a moment for an exception. Yeah. And so I picked up the phone and I called my father and explained the situation. And the bank of dad was empty. Mm. So now what do you do? And I didn't have any answers. I shared it with my husband who also didn't have any answers. And I went to bed that night. And I will preface this by saying I don't sleep when I go to bed at this point. Mm. Because my brain has deteriorated to the point it's not going through the normal cycles. Uh, but I have discovered if I attempt to meditate, I'll be at least a little kind of refreshed in the morning. And so that's what I do at that or did at that point when I went to bed was I would just meditate as opposed to sleep since sleeping wasn't a possibility. Yeah, not and that sleep is not helping anything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Meal, not sleeping right? just makes it all worse. So I'm attempting to meditate, but that night my brain was like a trapped squirrel. It's like, well, maybe you can get a job. Maybe you can get a loan. No, I'm in a bankruptcy. I can't get a loan. And I'm bouncing off of all of these logical walls and I'm not finding a way out. There's mm. literally no way out. And around three in the morning, I decided it was perhaps time to have a conversation with God. Hmm. Had not talked to him in probably three decades at that point. Not that I didn't believe in God, but that I was I was uh, traumatized by my religious upbringing, let's put it that way. And he kind of had gotten lumped in with that traumatization. Yep. And so I decided, you know, religious upbringing aside, it's just time to have a conversation. And I said, God, I will do anything to get better. And I meant it with my entire being. And I immediately got my answer, or my first answer, if you will. And it was in the form of a little tiny voice that said, really, Mm. anything. And the voice had a point. Anything does not have a lot of edges on it. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat. 
anything doesn't have a lot of edges on it. And I might want to think about what my edges are. So I sat for a while and I thought about what my edges are. I'm not going to hurt somebody else. I'm not going to cheat them. I I won't become an axe murderer. You know, I, I believe in treating other people with respect and dignity and fairness. Um, and so those are my edges. And then I thought about my personal experience and understanding of God as opposed to the shit that's put out in the Bible. <laughs> and my personal experience of God is compassionate and loving and would never ever ask me to cheat someone, harm them, become an axe murderer, or any of that kind of stuff. So to be clear about who I was conversing with, <laughs> because there are other, other influences that would, I said, God, for you, I will do anything. And I got my first miracle because I fell asleep. Wow. Really asleep. And in the morning, I awoke with this clarity that I had to go get one of these clearing IVs because I'd already started the oral antibiotics for this thing, and it was getting really, really bad. Mm. And so I went and I got the clearing IV. And as I'm sitting in the infusion room, the doctor actually walked in. Surprising because that he doesn't go there. <laughs> and so I waved him over and explained my situation and that insurance was no longer going to be part of the picture. And he said, well, okay, if insurance is out of the picture, it actually gives you more options. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> he says, we have a naturopath herbalist who's on staff who does an amazing job with parasitic infections. And that is exactly what Lyme is, parasitic infection. And instead of these exotic antibiotics and IVs and all that stuff, he uses bottles of herbs, which are like, 20 to 40 dollars a piece yeah his his meetings in the office are half the price of mine and so you might find that an easier reach and i'm like well damn i will go find out about this guy that's yeah, interesting that's the second choice you know i mean i know it's not necessarily second but in here that that was not presented it's, beforehand. It, it's not a choice i'd have made if i'd had money I would never have gone down that road. Yeah. I'd have spent the two years and the $28,000 that it would have cost to have gone through his protocol. Yeah. I'd have never even a, thought about the other guy. That goes along with our medical system. You know what it is? Uh, if you have, if the insurance companies are going to pay for you, they're out there ready to, there's people out there ready to take it for all it's worth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, and even if insurance, even if insurance had told me no, and I had the money, I'd have just paid the money because yeah. I've, I've a long time ago decided the insurance company is not deciding how I get my medical care. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You how know, about this? What you? What about your personal feelings about like a, a herbal medicine type of thing? What was, did you? Did it click with you? Like okay, because my first time. Now this is before yeah, what I well, am today. But that, I that's what I'm saying. That. I, at that time, okay. If it had not been for the money, I would not have gone there. Yeah, I would not. I'd have been like, I'm going to take a bunch of plants. Really, this is going to make a difference was kind of my attitude, right? Because I've been raised in the science. I've mm -hmm. been raised in the biochemistry and the biophysics, and I still have a lot of confidence in that world, but I also recognize the limitations of that world as well. 
And I've, if I had not been forced through the bankruptcy to uh -huh. choose to go to this naturopath herbalist, I would never have gone down that path voluntarily. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I think that my soul brought the bankruptcy was it recognized that I was not going to go voluntarily. I was going to have to be drug kicking and screaming down this path. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, I say, uh, I say, like, as I was talking about when I went into yoga, I got tricked into doing some things, you know, that wasn't the path I picked, right? It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, got, I got tricked and I can never see that as it's happening, but I see it in the rear view mirror. Yeah. And if you don't know what it is, you might actually like it. I did. <laughs> I did this to a, a buddy of my husband's who was like, I, I want to eat some real authentic Mexican stuff. And one of the things that I know how to do really well is lengua, mm. which if you understand Spanish, that is beef cow tongue. I love it. Okay. And it's amazingly yummy, but a lot of people can't get past the mental yeah. image of, you know, you're eating this tongue. And so his buddy came over and he, he's looked at, the pile of shredded meat on his plate. And he said, what's this? And I said, it's Mexican pot roast. <laughs> and he had four tacos of that. Oh, this is God. This is the best pot roast on earth. I have to have the recipe. I said, well, you start with a beef cow tongue. And he went, what? Yeah. yeah I've been but beef tongue it got him past time. the mental block. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There is one. No doubt. I have you, I have said roast beef before as I serve people tongue. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> well, and that's later. what it is. It it's, is. It's roast beef. I wasn't It's lying. the most amazing pot roast you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yep. It is. Wonderful. So, yeah, but that's what was required to kind of force me down this alternative path. Yeah. And the farther I went down this alternative path, the weirder things got because the most normal part of this story is I went to see the naturopath herbalist. He gave, he diagnosed that I not only had Lyme, but I also had an additional co-infection, which is very common with Lyme disease, but unrecognized by conventional medicine. And if they don't recognize it, a lot of times that's why you're not responding to the Lyme treatment is there's a co-infection protecting it. They, they have each other's backs in a lot of ways. So we treated the co-infection, then we treated the Lyme and I got better. Okay, it was still a long road of recovery mm -hmm. because it does a lot of damage to your system. I've got had still am recovering from leaky gut, which is why I have the food allergies. Um, my body temperature still runs low. That's one of the things that Lyme does is it suppresses your body temperature. Mm. And one of the things I did as I was getting rid of the Lyme was I deliberately gave myself a fever twice a day by getting in a hot bathtub. Oh, yeah because my my body wasn't going to naturally respond with a fever because the Lyme had taken control of that. Hmm. Um, so that's like the most normal thing that happened. But the weirdness that started to happen was like the first day that I arrived at his office, um, there was a book in his waiting area and I'd been told it was going to be a while. So I was looking for something. And the fact that there was a book first grabbed my attention because usually it's crappy magazines about things I'm not interested in. Uh -huh. And so I picked up the book to see what it was. And on the cover, it says the emotion code. Now I mentioned Norwegian and German parentage, you know, what we're taught about emotions is you don't have any. Yeah. 
And if you do, you shove them down and make like you don't have any because you're not supposed to have any. Stubborn, stoic, do the stuff. Don't let any of that shit get in the way. And don't be too happy or too proud because people don't like that either. Yeah. And so I had years of talk therapy, you know, trying to work through and come to terms with the emotions. But I still had these large pockets of hot spots, triggers. It's like, if you run into that, I'm going to explode all over you and go into this mental meltdown because I've, I've not found a way to take the heat out of that and to let it go. And so if this guy's got the emotion code, I want to know. And so I opened the book and I'm starting to look through it and I'm, I'm getting into his premise and, and looking at it. I do experiments on myself because I'm a scientist. It's like, okay, so I, I, I see where you're going with this and I want to test it out because I'm not going to take your word for it. I'm going to test it out. And as I'm getting into this book, the owner of the book comes back and reclaims it. Damn. (laughs) Now I got to go find a way to get the book. So break out the library card, go get the book. Um, And I'm reading through it and it's like, okay, I'm going to test this out. And he teaches you how to muscle test on yourself which I'd run into muscle testing previously, but it was always this two-person operation, which was is not very useful to you outside of like a clinical setting because you don't usually have someone standing there who can help you muscle test. So that was the first amazing thing. And then the second amazing thing that I got out of it was his process for clearing the emotions. It actually freaking works. <laughs> which is awesome and then he talks about heart walls which i knew i had because i've i've seen it in my mind's eye i deliberately let very few people in close to me it's it's a very conscious decision and a high bar before you're let behind that wall so i knew i had that and he made a a compelling case for take it down and see how it goes you can always put it back up right okay fine so i decided I'm taking this down and I started very deliberately taking it down. And as I'm very deliberately taking this heart wall down, strange shit starts happening to me. I am seeing things that may happen in the future. I'm seeing things that have happened in the past. I'm speaking in Yiddish. I've never been exposed to that language. I that spontaneous prayer came out of my lips that I like Googled the phonetics of, and it turns out this it's this candle lighting ceremony. Wow. And it's like, okay, uh, that's extremely weird. Maybe I, I have a really good memory. Maybe I was exposed to it and I just don't remember, right? I'm, I'm writing off all these experiences. I'm seeing crossed over people. I'm seeing the the spirits of plants and animals. And it's like, I, I think that I've got more brain damage going on than I actually realized. That's the scientific explanation I'm coming up with. Yeah, I think there's more brain damage happening here than I, I realized. And then I came home from the grocery store one day, which going into the store has become this huge trial at this point also, because it's like rock walking into a rock concert that's at full volume. Mm. It's this physical hit of energy as I'm going into the store and it's energetically loud. I 
I'm feeling all of like the emotions of people around in the store. I'm feeling their aches and pains. And it's like, just get me out of here as fast as humanly possible. Mm. And so I'm coming home from that and I see my neighbor helping her husband into the house and they're in their mid eighties. She's literally staggering under his weight and he's bent over in what's clearly a lot of physical pain. So let the ice cream melt and I grab them and, you know, help her get him in the house. And as we're going in the house, she's like, I'm so worried about him. His kidneys have gotten so bad. Now I've had a backache for a couple of days. And there's this part of my brain going, I wonder if, no, no, that's not connected to that. Mm. And she says, I've got to go get this emergency appointment with kidney guy. Okay, great. So I'll stay with him. You go get your emergency appointment. And I'm standing with him in the living room. And I know him to be a very devout man. He's been a a priest and ultimately a minister uh, for all of his life. He has huge compassion for people. He's done a lot of good works in the world. And he's someone I know to walk his faith in a very conscious, considered way and a very servant of the world sort of way which you don't always see with with ministers yeah um and he's got his eyes closed i can see his lips are moving and you know i had my first conversation with god a couple of weeks earlier Mm -hmm. (laughs) in like decades and so i'm not very comfortable just kind of voyeuristically watching him have this moment so i closed my eyes and in my mind's eye I see this little tiny flame. It's like a little bitty pilot light on the edge of going out. You know how they kind of dance and pop right before they go. Flickering out. Flickering out. And uh, I'm given this knowing that that's his life force right now. He's on the edge. Mm. And I haven't acknowledged who I'm talking to, but I said in my mind to the source of the knowledge, Is there something we can do about that? And the instant I finished that question, that little flickering flame became this intense bonfire. And I don't know what else it would have done because he dropped my hands and I opened my eyes and he says, are you a healer? And I'm looking around to see who the heck he's talking to, because this is not part of my worldview or my experience. And I was saved from answering because his wife comes bustling back in. We've got the appointment, but we've got to leave right now. Fine. We hustle everybody out into the car. I wave them goodbye and I go hide in my house for two days while the scientist in me goes, no, not accepting that. That shit does not happen. That impossible. No, 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 no. And the Norwegian and the German on me work on me going, you're a bad neighbor. She's in a terrible time. He's in a terrible time. You should be going over with, you know, chicken soup and and bread. And how can I help? And so after two days, I finally got up my nerve and said, I will go over and see what's going on. And with a lot of trepidation, I tapped on the door and she opens it with a smile. I'm like, okay, he's probably not in intensive care. And she says, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Jay has so many questions for you. And my stomach sinks because I don't have any answers to those questions. 
and she waves me into the living room and there he is kicked back in his barca lounger he's got his drink and his remote and fat and happy in his chair wow like how you feeling jay he says you know it was the strangest thing by the time we got to the doctor's office i was feeling pretty good they ran me through the usual battery of tests that they do and my kidney function came back normal now you ask any kidney doctor out there there's only one direction kidney disease goes and it's not that one and that was the moment that the scientist had to sit down and shut the fuck up and accept that moving into this woo world where this can happen is part of that anything i agreed to mm. that's amazing you know, did you believe it that quickly? You know, it's always kind of this tension between the two, right? Because there's a reason we have a logical, rational mind. It is a tool and a gift that's given to us. But there's also a reason that we have faith and that mm -hmm. we suspend that rational mind on occasions. Yeah. And so that was the moment that started the process of accepting that I'm walking in both worlds. Mm. And there's a reason that I am here to walk in both worlds. And uh, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is not easy. And I've been learning to kind of balance, okay, when is the moment to allow the, the planner and the control freak to step out and go, okay, here's what we're going to do to organize this, this chaotic situation and make things move forward. And when is the moment to go, all right, release plans A through Z and let's see what arrives next. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm still a work in progress on that front. Yeah. Um, you know, I, since I, you know, used to work awakened, uh, in, uh, in that moment, in some place in that window, was it when the man was standing there with you or was it a couple of days later? Uh, what would you, was there a moment that there, there are, I would say a series of moments, a series of moments yeah. right? Because yeah. you wake up, right? When I said the prayer, I'm like, okay, you know, there's, I've, I've got to be open to things that are coming. So that was one moment of awakening yeah okay the the next moment of awakening was you know all of this weird stuff is happening but i haven't quite accepted it yet but i'm getting what do i want to say supportive cues from people around me that this is probably okay right the naturopath herbalist had a son that worked with him who was a medical intuitive and so i'd kind of been sharing some of the weird stuff that was going on and he was uh what i want to say my tour guide into more of the woo side of things mm -hmm. okay and he's like oh well you that seeing the thing that's called clairvoyance you're not losing your mind are you sure about that because it feels a lot like i'm losing my mind right yeah <laughs> hearing those voices in your head you know i've been told that this is you know something that happens with schizophrenia and he's like you are not schizophrenic a, you're too old to suddenly become schizophrenic, and B, <laughs> the voices are not telling you to do any kind of hurtful thing. Well, okay, true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it's not like I went into this willingly or gracefully, although I'm told it was graceful 
by people. It didn't feel graceful to me. It felt like I was being melted down and put together in this strange new configuration that I was unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, but there are, I think, succeeding moments of awakening. The, the one standing with the guy in the living room, it was a jolt, but I wouldn't call it an awakening. The awakening came with the result that could not be explained by science. That's like, damn, okay. Now I really do have to look at things differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and know. and it's not the last one. There are always subsequent ones that come well, to yeah, kind of keep you say, awake. I think there's still a process of that, you know, because yeah. at some level I've had an awakening as I, you know, at some level was struck sober, so, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then there's this point and then there's this point and then, you know, and there's some energy stuff that's going on that I don't really, I can't put into words. And if I share it with the wrong people, they think I'm crazy. Yeah. They'll, they'll call the guys with the jacket and the wraparound yeah. sleeves. Yeah. 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 And what we just kind of say, you know, the normal people don't understand, uh, of some, uh, some ability to bend my reality in some way. I'm still not exactly sure about. Yeah, uh, but I've watched it happen and it's not like I can go down. I've told people, I said, I don't, it's not like, and I haven't even been tempted to do this to go buy a lottery ticket. Right. You know, it's not yeah. like that kind of thing where I can go buy <laughs> a winning lottery ticket, but I haven't you tried go. that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, well, and it, it may be possible. It may not be possible depending on what your subconscious conditioning yeah, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For, for some people, that's an easier reach than others. <laughs> And I've watched this healing power happen in a similar state as about the kidney thing. Uh, from what I see, as a result of a few people like me sending energy that direction, we might call it prayer. And uh, that's exactly what they call it in the religious world is prayer. Um, and it's, it's just holding that high intention right. for the other person. Yeah. And one of the hardest things I discovered as I was stepping into this world of healing and being quote unquote a healer. Um, and there's a reason I put that word in quotes, but we'll come back to that. The hardest thing was releasing the idea that I knew what the optimal outcome was because the busy, busy brain for me wants to get in there and go, Oh, well, it would be so perfect if fill in the blank, whatever it is. Right. I don't know what's highest and best for this person. And so I do have to rein myself in from imagining what the perfect outcome might be and just allow that perfection will probably look different in their world than it would in mine. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. some of the same way that I started using this, you know, this higher power concept I have of, you know, cause I have a couple of things you've said, one, one of the actions, because this stuff always in my world, uh, these things follow some kind of action. So I just mm -hmm. can't kick back on my heels and just whatever, you know. I yeah, have no, you have to take more. some kind of aligned so, action. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I, and one of these actions is sometimes asking for help. Hello. And, uh, and then have that help come and then doubt that in a way. But what I've learned, and that's one of the things that's happening, that I don't get to pick what the help's going to look like. Or who brings the help? Say, Here's what I need help with and who's going to bring it, you know? Yeah, so exactly. Show me who it is. Help. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, one of the things was early in my recovery, I was in a lot of trouble. And uh, and my sponsor just uh, suggested that that I begin to start uh, praying for God to support my recovery, whatever that means. Don't yeah. ask for nothing. Don't make the rules. Just start asking for that. 
And at the end of the week, I got it. And at that point, I couldn't even see it. I got it. Yeah, a lot of times you don't see it. I come home and told him that there was a problem. And it wasn't until I filtered it through him that he say, do you know what that is? That's an answer to your prayer. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, it comes wrapped in the shittiest wrapping paper sometimes, but it is oftentimes the answer to your prayer. Yeah. Yep. I have some uh, experience with that. I find people do that. You know, it's a common, common thing for trouble, people's troubles to start shedding off of them. uh, If they start following this path, I follow not me, but you know, I'm just having to get assigned a certain guy to work with. I don't, like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't pick my sponsees either. Yeah. They, they, they They choose you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They choose yeah. you for whatever reason. Yeah. And that's the kind and, of thing where I don't feel and like it's I have always perfect. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, most of the time I don't, I, I don't think that I have a no is not my answer. It can't be because it was sent to me. I didn't ask for this. This is being assigned and this is my assignment at the moment, my mission uh, at the moment. So I come with you on some of that. Uh, so uh, go, are you, because I want to keep on with the story and yeah. like what that's come to be. Oh, that has come to be a lot of different things. Uh, Like you, I had to learn to say yes (laughs) to some stuff that was perhaps illogical in the moment. Um, And so I've I've been brought through a number of different modalities uh, in terms of ways to work with people, how to understand what their path is, what their souls brought them here to learn. We all came here with a lesson plan is something I've discovered. Um, and so a lot of times it's kind of unpleasant though, because that's what we really pay attention to is the unpleasant stuff. <laughs> so you, I'll have someone who comes to me saying, I am so over choosing the bad guys. Why is it every time I go out in the day, I end up with these schmucks who are unavailable or who are playboys or, or whatever it is. And so I've learned how to look at what's planned for this life. I learned a thing called reading soul contracts. Mm. And the lovely thing is uh, we encode our soul contract into our name at birth, which is why your parents only ever considered like one or two names very seriously. They may have looked at a lot of things. They may have gotten a lot of suggestions for family, but there were really only one or two that they're like, yeah, that could be it or that could be it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you had already conveyed to them before your arrival that, you know, this is what my plan is. Mm. And so we look at the birth name and then it tells me what are the strengths that you brought with you? What are the things, the goals that motivate you? And what are the challenges that you came here to overcome? And there, the challenge is usually something that repeats in your life. Yeah, I think I've got that figured out and by God, I'm going around that merry-go-round again. And so it's helpful to go through one of these with a client. It can be the healing in and of itself to know that, oh, 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 I am here to learn to love myself as well as other people. Ah, ha, ha, ah, ah. I am here to learn unconditional love, which is why I'm loving all these people who don't freaking deserve it, right? (laughs) And knowing that allows you to engage with it differently and to start to pick apart some of the societal stuff that goes with it, right? Because society tells you, if you love someone, you're going to make all these sacrifices for them. If you love someone, you're going to allow them into your life without boundaries. And those are bad ways to engage. 
And that's not really what love is about. Sometimes love is about boundaries. Sometimes love is about, I cannot allow you in my world while you're behaving like that. Yeah. And so it, getting the perspective on it sometimes is all a client needs. And then other times there are other things that they need additional uh, intervention with. My personal philosophy is you can do about 80% of your own work. The other 20%, you need either someone to be a mirror for you, to hold space for you to see something from another angle, or to literally help you past a particular block that's going on. Because yeah. sometimes we can't even envision what the world would look like if it wasn't the way we've been telling ourselves it is. Yeah. And so those are the points at which you need a sponsor or you need a healer or you need a, a mentor to kind of shepherd you through those moments. But you can do 80% of your own work if you set your mind to it. I would throw out there that uh, that's what that's a lot that some percentage of that happens when a guy or a gal uh, does these 12 steps with a sponsor. You know, they won't work without one. If you try to do them by yourself, it, I don't see those people get the same results. It has to be under this sponsor, this mentor relationship. Yeah, there's something magical about that other energy, that other perspective. Yeah. 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 So what do you do with it today? What do I, I do all kinds of things with it today. Because <laughs> it's really I, a little bit scary, right? I mean, it's a little uh, from a standpoint of my own fears about whether if I'm making this up as imposter syndrome, I doubt there's a human being. It's to some level that doesn't suffer from that at some level. It's or not. pretty universal. And, uh, yep. And, uh, and not to mention, that's not the way the world works. So when people come looking for help, I, I recall at times, like I will remember in the back of my head when my sponsor gave me that uh, suggestion to what I should do about this particular problem. Yeah. I specifically remember not saying it to him, but in my head going, you got to have something better than that. You know? <laughs> uh, That's the critical mind. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that I invite people to do, because I find that it opens a lot of doors in my own life, is to say, thank you, critical mind. Let's experiment with it and see. Yeah, I like that. I, uh... Because, I mean, an experiment is not a permanent commitment. Right. We're just going to street test it. Yeah. And, and see if it's got legs or not. We'll see if it's the right solution. Because that's the other thing that I've noticed. I've learned a lot of different tools and angles to work with different places where people get stuck. Um, and the, the secret is that you can have the same symptoms, but the same tool will not always solve it because there may be a different root cause. It's analogous to walking in the house and flipping the light switch and the light doesn't come on. Mm -hmm. what, what's your first thought? Bulb. Bulb. Got to change bulb. So you get the bulb, you climb up on this chair, you do that, put it back, get down, flip the switch, nada. Okay, it wasn't the bulb. <laughs> it's the breaker. It's the breaker. So you tromp outside and you go and you flip the breaker and you flip it back and you come back in and you try the switch and still not a. Yeah. Okay. Now what are we doing? Do we need to call the electric company? Do we need to call an electrician? What is it? Right. Yeah. And so 
one thing I like to share with people is a lot of the tools out there are very specific, like changing the light bulb. It's a great tool. It works 98% of the time. If it doesn't work for you, it just means that your light bulb was not the problem. Yeah. It means you got to flip the breaker or get an electrician to change out the switch or whatever. Call the electric company and pay your power bill, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so a lot of times it's not the tool. A lot of people will go and, oh, I tried EFT or tapping and it didn't do squat for me. Well, it may it might not have been the tool for that particular issue you were working on in that moment. Don't throw it out with the bathwater. Hold it in your in your pile of tools and go try something else until you find what addresses the root cause of that issue that you're working on. But don't throw out tapping because it didn't work on that problem. It'll probably work great on another one you have farther down the road. Yeah, we do tend yeah. to. Uh... We will just uh, shit can a solution if it doesn't work and not, not actually think to pick it up again. It's another one of those, uh, you know, uh, we joke around. You said something earlier, but you really did have. Uh, but I get this excuse from people of why they can't do like the work that it requires to get better uh, is that I've got a lot going on. You know, that's the common, you know, I've got too much going on that I can't. Do I, I just can't deal most, with it. Really, the important person thing in the world would be to help would be you. But yeah. instead, you're out there focusing on trying to deal with everything stuff. else. Yep. Well, and, and that's one thing that I talk to busy people about is leverage points. Right. Because if you've got your priorities in the wrong order, you don't get the leverage you need to move forward. Yeah. And so let's look at what's going on in okay. your world and let's identify what's going to get you the leverage you need to be able to really move this thing. Right. And a lot of times that's going to be working on stuff within yourself. What can you do to support yourself to be stronger, healthier, and more vigorous? Because when you're stronger, healthier, and more vigorous, you can deal with a lot more other shit. If you're running around and leaving yourself at the end and the bottom of that list, you've got nothing left to be able to deal with this other stuff that's happening. Yep, and yep, so yep. you don't have the leverage you need to improve your world because your physical body just doesn't have what it needs to get you there. Yeah, that pouring from an empty cup. If it's empty in there, you've got nothing to get. You've got nothing to fill anyone else with. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that is typically the first step is I have to I have to do the work myself that gets me to where I actually have some overflow that I can. Because then the next thing in my world is, is that I must pour that out onto other people. Absolutely. My focus has to be on helping other people. Uh, the, uh, for a whole bunch of problems that are in that 12 uh, step text Alcoholics Anonymous book, one of the answers woven in there is help somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, and a lot of times that'll bring you perspective on what's going on in your own world as well. Yeah, because yeah. I'll go help I mean, somebody else and they turn into my mirror at the moment. You know, a lot of times I, it will go, show oh, you what you the know. shit you're ignoring. Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed yeah. that clients come to me for the shit I need to be working on. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought taken. they were asking me for some help, you know, and I thought that's what I was going to go doing. And I kind of like that little lot. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different words that we use for these little God nods or God winks or these other little, you know, and, and I have a habit of going. I don't know if it's really up or not, but you know, I don't know if it's up, but that's where well, I'm we're, we're trained that it's time. up, right? You okay. have a tendency I, to do that. Yeah. Or when somebody lands in front of my path and I know exactly why they're standing there, you know, and it's just one yeah. of the magical things and you, you know, I'm, okay. I hear you. 
I will here's do an ex here's an experiment for you to try because this is a shift that's been really profound for me, which is God is in all of us, everything. It's in your freaking molecules of your computer. It's in you. It's in your dog. It's in the dirt. Uh, God is everything. Yeah. And so one experiment that I did, because it's easier to find it in someone else than it is in you, okay. is to really look in other people's eyes. And if you really look, you can see it. Yep. God is in there. Yeah, and then once once you've established that by looking at other people yeah. <laughs> or or dogs or animals, yeah, yeah. Um, you can actually find that inside yourself. And yeah. typically how the experience goes is you look inside and you look around and you're like, nope, nope, there's no God here because we have subconscious programming that keeps us separate. And so you have to look at the programming and go, I see you programming. You are hiding God from me clear out step aside and sometimes it takes a few layers but you can find it inside of you as well yeah I, I i have been given some gifts a bunch of them and one of them is is i've been i host this men's recovery retreat every may oh lovely uh, and on friday night i kind of set it up because what i try to do is build this connection and bring this cohesion together where people feel safe to share and what i say it comes from another program that we've got to build this safe and tight container where everybody yes. feels safe here and one of the exercises i do then is uh we do eye gazing where we sit with another man because most you know especially people that are new to recovery oh my like god to look into another man's eyes but they trust me societally you know? as like whoa yeah and they <laughs> yeah. will sit there you know and it's got to be a certain duration too because it doesn't happen you know there's a little bit of it's not instant a little yeah. bit of, there's got it's got and i don't even know why i won't even put a time on it but i usually do watch you know and i usually hold them you know at least one guy you know in pairs for about 20 minutes or so yeah. uh where they they have to engage with each other through their eyes and uh and everybody has a, a a fantastic experience with it you know it's one of the things that they come back from because i got about half people that have been there before that are veterans yeah and uh, i always try to get a certain number of people who are new to recovery who are coming in looking yeah. for something the veterans yeah. help hold the envelope right yeah, yeah I, I need both and this past may was my ninth one and uh and i've only been sober seven years i first two my second i I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I'm just, I'm not even two years sober. And see, I, you were on the path before you were on the path. Yeah. I get, I, yeah. one way I explain it is like it, God has laid sticky notes around post-it notes and, you know, and they come into me as ideas, which I will instantly think you're not qualified to do that. Yeah. Damn straight. There's a critical mind again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but I followed, I followed so many of those, you know, and the retreat was one of them, you know, it, two years sober you can't have a you know it's guys that have got 30 years to do that kind of thing not two year old sober guys but i i followed it my sponsor my mentor has been so awesomely uh encouraging to the things that i those ideas and also that building that trust with him that you know because at once upon a time i wouldn't even be able to share those ideas with him or with another human being uh but but i can do that now and he encouraged me and you know it's just been a it's, it's, it's just another one of these gifts that, that, that have been handed to me. You know, when I speak yeah. with somebody like you, you know, that encourages me too, because I know there's something going on now. I have, I'm like I said, in the beginning of this thing, I'm a long way from starting to say that I know what it is. Yeah. Uh, oh God. The instant but, you think, you know what it is, it shifts. Yeah. It uh, becomes bigger and more amazing. But I am being compelled to cultivate it and explore it and, uh, and continue to exercise it. 
and wonderful things keep happening that, that seem to be as a result of that. Yeah, absolutely. When you follow the, I call them soul breadcrumbs. Okay. Um, yep. I like it, that. You always end up in this place of more and bigger and more amazing and more deep than you ever expected to to go or be or have or do. Um, it, it just seems to unfold that way. And I've noticed if my my ego that that mm -hmm. uh, critical mind that tries critical to voice, like get involved and dink with it. Uh -huh then things start to kind of fall apart. And it's like, okay, nope. Critical mind, go sit over there for a little while. You're causing trouble. <laughs> yeah. I still picture like the cartoon angel devil thing, you know, and I, it's not really like that, but there's a voice on my left hand shoulder and I don't know. And I feel like it really resides on the left side. Over there. Me, yeah. Uh, that will feed these little drops of baloney into my mind. And, uh, and one of the cool things about recovery is I recover from that really quick. You know, I can laugh and go, you know, shut up. Uh, I recognize you, you know. now. Yeah. 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 Well, I, one of the first things I stop them from talking. <laughs> yeah. One of the first things I share with clients or students, whomever I'm working with is uh, discernment. Okay. Because you, you have always that ego voice, that critical voice that that's in there. And then you have these divine thoughts, if you will, yeah. the inspiration, the intuitions, whatever word you want to use with it. And they're a different experience. It's a very different experience. And one of the things that I notice with the critical mind voice, the ego voice, is it comes with a lot of baggage attached to it. It comes with a lot of emotions and expectations and anticipations. And it tends to also want to build walls. Mm. Okay. And what I've noticed about the divine thought, the inspiration, the intuition, is it's very factual. It doesn't come with any kind of emotion attached to it. It's a just the facts, ma'am kind of thing. It will show up and go, start a radio show. Now I may react to that afterwards, but it's when it arrives, it's start a radio show. If it came from my critical mind, my critical mind is, well, you know what? We ought to start a radio show. This would be absolutely fantastic. And then that's the critical mind. Yeah. The, the inspirational thought is very calm. There's, there's not a bunch of energy that comes with it. It just, yeah. this thought just arrives, boom, there it is. And it kind of floats and it'll kind of disperse if you don't take note of it. Whereas the critical mind comes and it will just continue like harping on that same thing. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is one of those. Yeah. Absolutely. You're doing that and you know, same thing. Yeah. Now um, you had mentioned, um, fear and concern about doing this kind of work. And I can, I can understand and relate with that because I was raised with a lot of fear of the unseen. It's part of that religious abuse upbringing thing that I had, right? Um, and part of what I was raised with was these kinds of intuitive stuff. It's all hocus pocus and of the devil. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I had a lot of overcoming to do in that area and learning to trust into it. And what I have discovered as I've worked my way into this world is like, like the world we're in right now, there are amazing, wonderful, and supportive people and energies. And there are really dangerous, hazardous roads you can go down. Okay. And you can choose who you want to hang out with for the most part. You have that choice. Do you go over there or do you go over here? And it's the same in this woo world. You can choose to go down the dark path. You can choose to go down the light path. Mm. You can choose who you interact with and energies will show you what they are. Even the deceptive ones, you'll cotton on to that because you know what deception looks like in this world. It looks very similar in this other world as well. When someone does not show up consistently the same way all the time, there's something going on there. Yeah. Okay. So it's partly learning to trust your discernment and to trust uh, what you're choosing to work with because ultimately you have the power of what enters your world. Yeah. And I, I'm big on empowering people to make sure that they have full control over that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that's come along with this has been able to, you know, I feel people, you know, in a, yeah. in a, and it doesn't take me but a minute to know if this is somebody I'm going to be by or somebody I should get away from. Yeah. You know, really quickly. I have that, you know, it's uh, and sometimes, you know, people that come with that energy or people that the world or whatever is trying to put me close to in a sense, you know, but I know that that's not, it's not uh, going to work out for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's really is a sense of, uh, like a, a lot of times there's a sense of urgency with that. Like, you know, not, not just later now. Yeah. Now move. leave now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how long, how long ago was this, that this happened with the man with the, Oh, the, the awakening thing. I was, let me, let me do math. Uh, Nine years now. Math <laughs> I got to do some math. <laughs> That's one of my jokes with recovery that people tell you, they say what year they got sober or they tell you how long, what, how many years they got and all this. But stuff. I can't do both. <laughs> you got to do this. Yeah. You're going to, it always ends up being a math problem. Uh, so nine years ago, nine years is, ago. Yeah. Which is a relatively short amount of time, but uh, similar to my seven, you know, there's time. What's another thing that's happened is time is gone. Oh, there's always a, exactly enough time to do whatever is required. Yeah. That, that's yeah. become my new mantra because I used to be like, mm, mm, mm. no, there's always exactly enough time to do what's needed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that brings my stress level down a lot too. Yeah. Mine too. And it's also very <laughs> helpful that uh, not being so tied to time. I'm not worried about what time it is, how much time I got, what time I, you know, I do try to keep my appointments yeah. on time and respect. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of a, thing, a prompt, timely person, but I don't freak out if I'm a little late or if someone else is a little late anymore. Yeah. It's like the perfect moment will arrive. Clearly it's not this one. And I usually have something else I can be doing in the meantime anyway. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I've always got I, I'm a lot more chill about than I used to be. The other mantra that I use a lot as a recovering perfectionist uh, is all in perfect time, because mm -hmm. a lot of times my brain has this idea of what that moment is. But sometimes that's not the perfect moment. It's just yeah. the moment my brain thinks is right. And so if something doesn't happen that I had expected, it's like, okay, I'm going to just let that go 
if it's to happen, it will arrive in the perfect moment. And if it doesn't, this is the perfect moment to look around and see if this is one of these times my soul wants me to take a sharp left. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get frustration sometimes from people. They're like, I had this, it was like the perfect job and all the interviews were right. And I'm headed down the road and I, you know, packed to move to Cleveland or whatever the deal is. And then all of a sudden the job has disappeared. I'm like, well, take a look around. Is there a reason you're supposed to be in Cleveland? You know, a lot of times your soul will send you in a direction and put something out there for you to move towards. That's not really meant for you. But it will put you in a position where if you look to the left or the right, you can see the thing that really is for you. Right. Yeah. 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 That's uh, another one of the things, because when my sponsor started sharing things with me, you know, I was having trouble accepting it. And, you know, uh, I can't tell you how many times in the back of my mind I'm going, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe he's suggesting uh, but, this. Yeah. yeah. But there'll be things like anytime I've, I've had some opportunities to go places and that's one of the things, you know, look around to see why you're there. Cause there's a reason why you're there. Keep your yeah. eyes open and see if you can figure out, you know, what it is when you get there. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you know, not every time does it. That's the other thing about this time thing. Um, we say, you don't want to, that it's going to happen on God's time. You know, that's not, I don't get to dictate the timeline anymore. I don't exactly. even attempt to, you know, and my life got arranged where I don't have to worry about that. You know, well, uh, I was worked for a company for 28 years and they tapped me on the shoulder in 2019, told me they didn't need me anymore. I had no idea what I was going to do. And a new thing opened up for me, you know, and yeah. got this and wood nothing shop you'd have burning. imagined probably back in yep. that moment. Nope. Yeah. Yep. When I, uh, there's another little thing is if I'd have written a script for what I wanted out of recovery, I'd have sold myself way short. Um, Amen. Oh my God. The things we ask for ourselves are so small compared to what source God, the universe wants to give us and wants us to have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is I've, I've found that unplugging from the television has been hugely helpful because this is a place where a lot of our programming comes yes. through the, a lot of the, oh, you need to, you know, look like this specific quote unquote 10 model, right? You're mm -hmm. supposed to have a form that's like this or look like that, or this is what sexy looks like. And yeah, no. Uh, uh just unplug from that shit it's it's not about who you are just peel that stuff away because who you are is under there yeah it's underneath all this stuff you were raised with and trained into and all of the the coping mechanisms that you developed as a child it's under there Right. Yeah. I and agree. you are beautiful and perfect under there. Go find it. Yeah. One of the exercises that we, we do in our, in this 12 step spiritual recovery, that's, you know, it's uh, this 12 steps for everybody. Uh, one of the exercises in there is to go back and find some childhood pictures when you were happy, joyous and free, because you were at one point, you know, and yes. let's get you back to that. That was before, you know, um, it was before all this stuff the world happened. clobbered a bunch and painted a bunch of stuff on top of your shell. Yeah. And he spends the, um, my, my sponsor wrote that book. He spends a bunch of the first chapters talking about the things that have put this faulty programming in you. And, you know, he spends a lot of time on TV and advertising and, uh, that we get, uh, we get buried under a pile of not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, we take on these, these, things that kind of rescue us in the moment, but aren't good for us long-term. Yeah. 
Um, I see it a lot with empathic people who've mm. been like empathic from birth, who can feel what other people are feeling and, and that kind of stuff. They have a tendency to be people pleasers yeah. because they want peace in their world. And they think the only way they can get peace in their world is if they fix everybody around them or make everybody around them happy, placate. Yeah the world and that's no way to live your life and there are ways to get peace in your world without having to kowtow to everybody yeah yeah um so do you uh well i would like you to tell me a little bit about what you're doing so that uh anybody that might want to find you knows what to do and uh what if they're looking for something maybe what spots you would fit for that Very good. Um, There are two doors into my world. And right now I'm in the process of, of remaking how I'm coming out into the world. I have most recently been working with people to come into their own gifts because we all have gifts. You know, Hollywood would have us believe that there are only these special people who've been, who've known that they're gifted all the way from birth and who actually, you know, see figures or whatever but there are many ways that we're spiritually gifted there are knowers out there who don't realize that there are knowers there are people who hear people who see the most common thing is the empath or the clairsentient and if you are in this group you've probably been told that you're too sensitive don't take it personally you're too sensitive um you know you probably have trouble being in groups you're happier when you're alone and away from people and in the middle of the countryside and you actually get some peace these are all signs that you are highly gifted and there are ways that you can get that peace without having to disconnect from the world and so i show people where their gifts lie and I help them step into them and I help them understand how to work with them so they feel like blessings instead of curses. Because a lot of times, if you don't understand how to work with them, it feels like a curse. I mean, the empath is like, oh, please don't make me to go to that conference. Yeah. You know, and I, I can appreciate wanting the peace, but also there are amazing things that happen at conferences that you're missing out at because of this disability that you've taken on this inability to be in a group and you don't have to be that way we can help you with that and so i i do um it's i have a superpower quiz (laughs) to to kind of help open up people's eyes it helps you identify what your number one superpower is it doesn't talk about the psychic senses this is more how you function in the world Uh, And you can find that at superpowerquiz.us. It takes like 60 seconds and it allows you to kind of sneak into my world through the back door, so to speak. So you you end up on the mailing list. You'll get a couple of simple emails from me introducing the concept of the thing and inviting you further into my world if you're interested. And if you're not easy, unsubscribe. Yeah. So there's that door. The other door is 
more for the person who wants to engage directly because I do a lot of bespoke one-on-one -on -one work. So if you've got a recurring pattern in your life you're trying to get rid of, if there's a, a life catastrophe that has is happening, about to happen or has happened that you're trying to recover from, I'm really super good with these situations. Mm. And so I do a free 20 minute conversation where we look at what's going on, what's the crisis. I make some suggestions for how to best deal with the circumstances that you're dealing with. And it's based on looking at your, your life plan. It's based on looking at your human design. And we look at what does this mean from like a spiritual soul life lesson learning perspective. And sometimes that's all people need is that conversation that puts it into perspective mm -hmm. and a few, what do I want to say? Practical, tactical things that you can do. And sometimes it's good to have someone who can do that other 20% of the work with you. And so yeah. we talk about what that might look like. And if it feels good, great. We go do that. If it doesn't feel good, we don't do that. And so no strings on that thing. It's not one of these things where you're going to show up and I'm going to hard sell you on something. Yeah. Don't believe in that. Uh, so the link for that is bookzofiacoffeechat.com. So that's B-O-O-K-Z-O-F-I-A coffeechat.com. And you can get on my calendar for a free 20-minute conversation and we'll see what you want. Um, I know you mentioned fear earlier uh, and being a power and control person, I'm not someone who likes to give over control of any kind. And so if you have that concern, I will share with you that I don't lead this. You lead this. Your higher self leads this. Your subconscious leads this. I just interpret the signals for you and you decide where you want to go. You decide what you want to release or not release. You decide what you want to put in place of the old habits or thoughts or programs. Mm -hmm. And that's what we go with. This has nothing to do with me. I am here as a facilitator, a space holder, and a new point of perspective. So you have all the control. You're the healer in the room. We use healer wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like to say, you know, uh, that when when we're doing when I'm working with somebody that I, it's it's an outside of body kind of experience. It's not really me, man. This is the universe helping you. Just yes, it's me. What's, I'm just a facilitator. here. Exactly. I'm I'm, I'm the channel. It's coming through. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and there's a line that I've always liked and it come from Marianne Williamson. It said something to the effect of our deepest fear is not that we are weak. It's that we are powerful. We are powerful beyond powerful. our imagination. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I have uh, latched on to that little saying and it's in i've got some my favorite quotes in my phone and i've kind of lost touch with that when i used to be able to wrap it off from the beginning to end um but that is and I, and i and i just how true that is that, yeah. that that's what the kind of fear i'm talking about is that you know um there's something that that where we have a fear of that we are that that we maybe we do have more inside and you know there's also a i think there's some kind of a regret or some kind of thing behind that you know that you know there's some sayings about you know let's say you did have let's say we get to the end of life and you realize you had this superpower that you never used yep you know the the regret of that uh 
Mm-hmm. You know, but the same thing will keep you out of uh, doing it right now to doing, you know, I, I don't know. You see a lot of. Well, and there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that changes. I mean, change is really scary. I think it's important to to name that elephant in the room. Change is scary. Yeah. But it is also thrilling and amazing. And everything you want in this world is on the other side of that door. Right. Yep. Are you going to open it is the question. Yep, that is. I like the way you were talking about that. I've heard it said in a bunch of different ways, you know, that uh, but the universe is going to give you little signs here and there. And then the, what happens is that, that the universe keeps on up in the ante. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I guess in terms of comfort, the thing to know is you're never going to get more than you're ready for. Right. People talk to me sometimes about miracles and, and will be like, well, you didn't get this instantaneous healing from your Lyme disease. Why is that? Because I couldn't accept that. Hmm. My logical mind would not accept that in that moment. That was a reality I was rejecting. Whereas my neighbor who's walked in this world and who's been connected with the divine for many, many years and who knows and understands what a, a faith healer is, he can accept that. Yeah, fantastic That is point. entirely within his realm of acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing too, because it makes me think of uh, some circumstances where some kids have had some diagnoses that where prayer has, uh, all of a sudden the problem ain't there no more. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they didn't have it. any barriers against that. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, okay, were, cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> even though they weren't probably really seriously aware of the fact that the energy was there, uh, that people maybe were doing what they were doing for her. Uh, there was no blocking it by her either at the same time, just from who she was as she's before she's been buried under all the junk. Yeah, exactly. She was willing to do that. Okay, I'll take that gift. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because yeah. I've seen that happen a number of times and I never put it together exactly like that because I've watched where people, I've, I know that there's people who have, uh, are continuing to receive some consequences almost on the sole reason is that they won't accept the actual blessing. Yeah, well, it's and like a, a lot of times thing. we won't let ourselves off the hook. Right. If subconsciously, for some reason, you've decided you're deserving of punishment and this is your punishment. Until you resolve that subconscious idea that you deserve to be punished, you're not going to be able to release it. Yep. I've seen it. And it frustrates yeah. me to all in because I'm like, man, you can, I, I'm almost, I, I, I can see how close you are. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, <laughs> just let it you, go. You don't have to go there. You know, people yeah. who are ended up um, getting, well, we got a buddy who's getting deported. And I do not believe that he had to have that outcome, uh, but he couldn't open himself to the fact that he was deserved some better than that. Something different. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a, a martyr thing behind it too i'm not sure if yeah. that's right but that woe is me you know see me here mm-hmm. yeah this me. is just more evidence that i don't i'm not deserving the universe thinks i'm not deserving yeah it it happens yep. and the thing i have to what do i want to say the thing i have to kind of resign myself to also is some of that it doesn't have to be that way is my shit. yeah Okay. And I have to let that go because he's not ready yet for it to be different. And that's okay. It's his journey. He can take as much time with that or as little time with that as works for him. I don't know 
the full picture of what's happening for him. Exactly. And so I have to just allow that the experience that he's having right now is perfect for him until yeah. it's no longer perfect Not and good. he chooses different. Yeah. The yeah. stuff like meet them where they're at and yep. you know, the old thing about having to learn a lesson until, you know, over and over again until you finally get it and you know, yeah. they're well, not, not getting it. One of the things that helps me, um, we don't do this anymore, but I think it would kind of help us in the world if we did the one room schoolhouse back in the day, all the grades were together, mm -hmm. right? And you had the first row of, of kids with their learn, learning their numbers and their letters. And then the second row, you had people reading simple sentences and maybe the kids at the back of the room are learning algebra and writing essays. Okay. Nothing wrong with any of those rows of kids. They're exactly where they need to be in that moment. And it's going to take them as long as it takes to learn the letters to make the words and the words to make the sentences and the grammar to make the stories. There's nothing wrong with that process. And so don't compare yourself to someone else. If you're a, with the slate in the front of the learn room learning your letters and numbers, God love you. You do an amazing job of learning your letters and numbers. We're pulling for you. Yeah. And if you're in the back of the room writing essays, you're exactly where you need to be. Good job on all the previous stuff you've done and we're supporting you in what you're working on now. Yeah, yeah, Comparison, comparing yourself is uh, a quick path to nowhere. Uh, it really is, it really <laughs> is. But it, it bears repeating because a lot of times when I go into like a group class, for example, I, I like to reiterate that because a lot of times when people are coming into their gifts, you know, you're shedding a lot of what Hollywood has taught us about gifts. And so it's like, ooh, this person actually sees auras. I want to be like that. Let that go. Yeah. You're perfect exactly where you are as a feeler or a knower. And, and don't worry about seeing. Focus on what you do, what comes to you easily. If you are gifted in knowing, embrace that gift because the person who sees would love to have what you have but you know what they see yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's good too uh, i have to remind myself of that i am fortunate to be in a group of men who are doing some pretty fantastic stuff and when we you know one of the things about things like that retreat when we get a bunch of us together in one spot that powers grows exponentially absolutely uh, there but you know i can find myself wishing i had what that guy has i can still do that you know and i had to remind myself that same thing on that guy on that shoulder and tell yep, him exactly uh, well and the guy over there that you're admiring is probably looking at you and going i wish i had the ability to pull together groups of people like this guy does yeah yep uh uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any true, and some people would say, and I've had some teachers, some people tell me that there have been people who have achieved that level. You know, we, we have them in the story of Jesus. We have them in the story of the Buddha. We absolutely we answers and some people that would say those people are walking amongst us today too. We just don't there know. Are, there are very advanced developed masters who move through the world and I, God, I would aspire to be one, but it's, it's a big job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of humanity to shed still. <laughs> I learned to turn this ASMRs, the tingles. Yes. Uh -huh. about, and some people do some kind of work on that, you know, and I've had it happen where I've watched somebody through these things, you know, and that is something that I've 
bumped up against some certain individuals in my life. And I don't mean physically bumped up against them, came in to, to, and I could, I get that man. And I mean, I am just like, I'm ready to just stand beside that person and never, you know, if they go that way, I'm going that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know exactly. I, uh, again, I don't know what that's about. All the people that have, that have come to be that way uh, were at the very best. They were solid spiritually. Yes, I don't exactly. know what else to say. I don't, you know, I don't, and some of them I didn't know very long at all. Some of the times it's happened to somebody with somebody I don't even know, like in a crowd. Yeah. I feel that. Now, this person is just being attracted to me. Uh, and it won't make any difference what the gender of the person is. Uh, it's about 50 50. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that some kind of feeling. And I still, again, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with it. I don't know if there's a, you know, I'll just keep on walking. And Well, and I, I think sometimes we have these experiences to show us what other people's experiences are with us. Because, you know, ascended master status, they're like always that way. Yeah. Um, but even those of us who are earlier on the path, who still have a lot of humanity that we're shedding, have moments of that. Um, I can remember having gone to a conference <laughs> after my awakening, which is so it took a little working to get to the point that I could do that. And I gotten down to the end of the second day and I'm like, I just need to be attached to a tree. I need to ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I, I came out of the convention hall and there's this palm tree. And so I went and I leaned my back up against it and I'm just like enjoying connecting with this tree and the earth and, you know, letting the, the energy and the effort kind of drop away. And this guy came over to me, I think he was from someplace in the Middle East and we were chatting about this, that, and the other thing, and eventually decided with him and a couple of the people we were going to get, um, go to dinner together. Okay, great. So we got a table and whatever. And at the end of the evening, he's like, you know, when I walked out of the the hall, you were kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it the only other time I've had this experience from someone else was this spiritual healer that used to live in our village. And she would give off that same kind of like, energy signature it's, mm -hmm. it's like this love and this healing and and that's why i came over to talk to you because i had to be in that space yeah yeah and that's one thing i remind myself right because i'm this type a person i want to get from place a to place b and efficiently and on time and all this kind of stuff and that doesn't always happen I've, I've taken into this habit of okay which way should i go out of my neighborhood left or right because there are two exits mm. and so i'll ask these questions when i get to intersections and a lot of times i won't get to where i'm going at the time i thought i ought to and part of my learning with that was there are reasons that i'm sent these other ways and there's reasons why i've sent past car accidents and and people being arrested and this kind of stuff and it has to do with the presence that i bring through that event hmm. um and i've i've always had this image that i kind of like trail angels after me <laughs> yeah. and so when i see something like that i will i will send it a blessing you know for the highest and best of everybody involved and i'll leave angels and whatever and i so i remind myself a lot of times when i end up someplace where i wasn't expecting to be or delayed or whatever there's a reason for that and it might simply be my presence yeah 
Yep. Yep. But if you get so to, I, uh, I remind myself to be present. Yeah. <laughs> be present. <laughs> be present. Yep. That's uh, you know, um, rarely happens to me, but I was caught in a traffic jam the day before yesterday, a pretty big one, you know, and today I can just settle into that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Deal, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about is there a way on the shoulder or an off ramp or yeah, no, I'll just yeah. chill. Yeah, yeah. just this would be a chance to not have to focus so hard and uh, on the road and yeah, going exactly. slow is easy. And uh, you talked about that tree. I just I kind of giggle one of the things that I since I was a kid, my, I've, I've been a deer hunter. I've hunted with my father it was something that we always did as a kid. And there's some particular thing that happened where I, you know, I love to hunt out of tree stands. I like to go up in a tree and I like to do that. But since becoming sober, I've realized that grounding nature of that, you know, and that there's something in me that needs to do that for hours at a time mm -hmm. at, at times, you know, and I just, I love it. Uh, I really, I haven't killed anything since 2000. Uh, that was the last time I felt the need to harvest something. But uh, you can but, still sit up in the tree and enjoy yourself. Yeah, and in this past year, I was, we have a, that camp where I have that uh, retreat at. Um, uh, for our deer season in Indiana opens on October 1 and closes on January the 2nd. And I was down there every single weekend between October 1 and January the 2nd um and just absorbing as much of it as i can you know and yeah. at the one time i didn't know what any of that was you know today it's so much better to actually be with the, having the intention behind it um that that i know i know that's something my soul needs and yeah and you know why it calls to you yeah you'd mentioned something earlier too and from the very beginning uh, I'll tend to burn the candle at both ends too and my body will start giving me signs that I need to slow down yeah you know and if I don't listen something will happen I will I will tweak my back I will get sick uh something will happen and the universe will say okay you're gonna slow down now buddy you're sitting uh, on the bench for a while right? but if <laughs> I don't taking have to you go, out I don't have to go through that if I watch the signs and take care of myself you know uh, yeah. I, I don't have to and every time I don't do it I realize when it's too late but I'm pretty good and I'm getting better and better at taking my time when I need to mm -hmm. have my time you know last weekend I just took a completely three-day fourth of july weekend very low-key and took care and of myself just chilled and, uh, well and that's part of the process a lot of times we beat ourselves up it's like oh god i didn't see the signs soon enough yeah but you saw it sooner than the last time yeah yeah so give yourself a break and yeah. and go okay i recognize it now and i'm i'm consciously doing something about it and the next time you'll see it earlier yeah. and the yeah. next time you'll see it earlier and maybe you won't end up there at some point yep yeah and yeah. that's another lesson man i don't beat myself up uh i, I acknowledge yeah that. acknowledge yeah. i i went through a, a period where i Someone had given me this premise. I like experiments. I mentioned that. And the premise was the voice in the head, first of all, is not you. And you can actually work with it to work with you differently hmm. uh, because it really is something that's that's here to help you and to support you in the process. And I thought, OK, well, I'll try this. Right. And I had a week of trying to converse with this voice. And I have to own that a lot of the reason it took a week was because I was angry with this voice, hmm. resentful about the way that it had abused me over the years and the nasty things that it had said, because I raised by a German and a Norwegian, very critical voice, <laughs> okay, and not nice about how it approached things. And 
that day I decided that I was going to own my part of that problem. And so before I even tried to go talk to the voice, I did what I call a love meditation. And it's a, a progressive expansion of love from the things that are easy to love to the things that are hard to love. Mm. Okay, so I start with my dog, very easy love proposition. I start with a newborn babies, right? Easy, easy, super easy love propositions. And then more complicated things like my husband or friends where, yeah, that all in all the relationship is good, but occasionally it's a little rockier. And then I expand out to like neutral people. So the, the guy that mows my lawn or the checkout clerk or whatever people that are in my life. And then I expand out to people who are more challenging to love. Mm. So former husbands, that kind of thing. Okay. And if at any point the love kind of drops, I just go back to an earlier stage. I go back to the dog or the baby and work my way back out until I can hold the love for the more challenging people. Mm. And then the last stage is to hold that love for myself. Mm. And so I, I went through this whole love meditation before I even tried to engage with the voice. And after the love meditation, I sat down and made a list of what I considered the good qualities of the voice. Okay. And the good qualities are she is reliable as hell. <laughs> <laughs> She's predictable. She delivers Johnny on the spot all the time. She's very super dedicated to her work. Okay. She's never taken a moment off. So I, I made a list of all these characteristics before I decided to talk to the voice. And I gave her her own name, which I had done at the beginning of the week. I named her Simone. Uh. <laughs> And so I sat down to talk to Simone and I decided that my objective was to get some peace from her. And how was I going to get peace from her? I was going to offer her a vacation. So I sat down with her and I said, Simone, I've been thinking about the things I really appreciate about you. And I went through the list, dedication, consistency, all of this stuff. And I said, I'm concerned for you because you are so dedicated, you have never ever taken even a moment off. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to have some time to just decompress. I would love to offer you a vacation. Okay, and there was some concern. I'm like, I will be fine for the length of time you're on vacation. And I explained all the reasons why I would be fine. And she agreed and she went. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole week without this voice in my ear, it was so peaceful. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then she came back from vacation, <laughs> renewed and reinvigorated. Like, oh God, now I have a problem. <laughs> Rededicated to all the bad things she was doing previously. But it gave me a moment to think about why is she doing this? And I came to the conclusion that I needed to work with her like she was a super enthusiastic, but poorly trained employee. Because mm. she didn't know how to support me. She just made up all these things. And so I since then have worked with her and like rewritten her job description. 
talk to her about supportive ways to address concerns, this kind of thing. And it actually has worked. I, I mean, she's that. still there. The critical voice is still there, but she's sure. not nearly as nasty as she once was. Yeah. And, you know, she still brings up things I need to be looking out for, which is important. You need to be aware of potential pitfalls and that kind of stuff. But she doesn't browbeat the shit out of me anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. And you've converted that more into an ally than an enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This stuff can, uh, one thing about the, you know, once I've started entering this space, uh, I can talk to people forever. Uh, I know about, you can you break know. this into as many pieces as you want. You could yeah. take out whatever you want. And that's another <laughs> thing this podcast has done for me is allowed me to start getting, cause you know, I probably would have never met you and got to hear the ideas and the thoughts you're, you're, you're giving me if it wasn't for this, uh, you know, so I just kind of like that. My growth is, uh, a big chunk of it is because I have opportunity to talk to people like you. Absolutely. Uh, hear these new ideas and hear this stuff and different angle on it than the way I was thinking and be able to like knock these concepts around. That's why I always say we knock them around and see what comes out of them. Exactly. How did this work for you? You know, <laughs> I ran into this problem. What did, how'd that go for you? Yeah. Yeah. It Absolutely. Is. It's a really cool thing. I make sure that I make continue that relationship with that mentor of mine. And, uh, and we yeah. do the same thing and, you know, and, um, and in our group of guys and it's, uh, but, but I, I know that there's, I'm getting a dose of some things that none of the rest of them are getting because I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I like, I don't know if you were one of them, but a lot of times when I do this, people tell me that they like, they'll say, well, what, how much time are you wanting? And I'm like, you know, I'll take whatever. I'm not, wanting well, I'll just anything, talk until we're know? done talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will. And uh, they'll say, well, we only, he, so-and-so can only give you an hour. That's well, okay. I didn't ask oh, you. We'll, whatever, we'll, you know, we'll wrap up at an hour. Then, if so-and-so talk, can give you two yeah. hours, hey, ain't it great? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's two hours later, and uh, and they're still here talking, you know, and you go, Absolutely. well, so much for that. You know, I'm not. Uh, yeah, well, you know, break it into thing. consumable bites for your people. Whatever you want to do with yeah, it is I'll great. let them do it. I'll let yeah. them break it. There's a pause button. They know how to operate it. They there you go. <laughs> you can come it. back to this later. You know, one of the things about uh, with my, my, like my staple in the beginning was people telling their 12 step story, which is what it was like, what, what, what happened and what it's, what it's like now. Yeah. The kind of Be thing, before you know? so the change and after. Yes. Yep. And, uh, and when we do that and we do that 12 step meetings at the podium is the, what we say, but we do some readings in the beginning of the meeting and we do some readings at the end of the meeting. Maybe somebody's celebrating a sobriety birthday and this and that, and you get maybe 25, 30 minutes to tell. And that's not near enough. Uh, you have yeah. to do a highlight reel, you know, but when, when I talk to somebody here, we can actually do a little digging back into what their childhood was like and, Absolutely. Uh, and see those, uh, those patterns that were amongst us, you know, and, and, and actually when somebody gets done, they feel that they, you know, they have that feeling of completion. And every time, you know, they'll come back and talk about how cathartic it was just to be able to, you know, get it all out in one yeah. spell. Go all the way through it. Yeah. yeah. And go all the way through it. And it takes a couple hours to do that at least. It just does. It sure does. A, a sure lifetime does. is tough to recap in a little short. Oh bit. my goodness. Yeah. Boil it down into five words, which is what I tell people on my show to do for the title. So what kind of show do you have? Uh, it's called Sovereign Self. It's um, if you go to sovereignself.live, it comes out on Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And we follow the spiritual journey, uh, whatever the journey looks like. Some of us 
wake up early or actually never go asleep and others of us fall deeply asleep and wake up suddenly in our late 40s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it seems like that middle 40s seems to be a spot. I don't know. Uh, There's a reason they call it a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, I think it's amazing when I watch them, uh, now and again, we get some younger people that come wandering in, beat up bad early yeah, and, uh, and they have this opportunity to, uh, to wake up 20 years before I did, you know, absolutely. And, You've got that much more really good life to live. Yeah. I've got to say the years I had before my awakening, it didn't feel like really good life. No, same here. You know, there was a lot of good things that happened and a lot of blessings come out of it. But, you know, we also have a line in there that we don't regret the past, nor do we shut the door on it. And, yeah, uh, well, there are always gifts that came out of the past. And one of the things I like to remind people when they're going, oh, I wasted all this time. Yeah. You did not waste all this time. You spent that time gathering T-shirts. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And since you have a mountain of those, you have a mountain of people you can touch and connect with who can relate to you yeah. because perfection is unrelatable. And there's a reason you spent the time gathering that pile of t-shirts. Yeah, right. So say thank you to your earlier life. Appreciate every t-shirt you've got, whether it's recovery from alcoholism or, you know, surviving a truck crash that should have killed you or, or losing your mind in corporate life for 30 years and losing track of what's really important that you got something valuable out of each of those things that's important to you and your journey and what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Even if you don't know why that is yet, you will discover it as you go forward. Yep. It's another one of those unproductive comments. I wished I would have done this earlier, even though maybe I wished I would have, but I wasn't capable. It's a fact. Of yeah. That. I wasn't ready right. for it. So ready. yeah, it would have no been pointless. <laughs> yeah. And you see that sometimes that people come in too early and they disappear and, uh, you know, you don't see them again. And well, but there was a purpose for them showing up. Yep. Right. I did. I, you know, a lot of times you need to kind of peek beyond behind the door and go, mm, not ready for that. Yep. Uh, yep. But it hangs with you what you saw, the the things that you heard, and then at some moment you're ready for it, and you know you know where to go now. Yep. We say yeah. a seed was planted. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was wonderful talking to you today. Is there anything you want to, I always say like, to like to concluding thoughts or anything you concluding want to close thoughts. with? Um, yeah, here's my concluding thought. Whether you can accept this yet or not, I know that you are moving towards accepting this in every moment, which is you are beautiful. You are divine. You are a gift. And I'm so grateful that you are here in this world with us. Yeah. That is the truth. It is the truth. So I close with a couple things that I always say, because if uh, the first one explains it, if it's working, keep doing it. And if it's not working, stop. And uh, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And I want to thank everybody out there for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out.